Welcome to Not a Unicorn Podcast, a relationship anarchist perspective in relating in the modern world. We're doing a series called Do Less Harm, and today we're going to cover hierarchy. Yes, that ever so popular, much heated, debated hierarchy. So let's get started. When it comes to hierarchy, there's a lot of verbiage surrounding it, such as it's okay if everyone consents, it's okay if everyone agrees, hierarchy is okay if it's done right, my poly isn't your poly and that's okay, well of course they're my primary because, insert reason, kids, mortgage, time, whatever. Some common attributes surrounding hierarchy is language. Terms that will place someone at a higher importance, such as primary, if you're married, how people will use friends versus partner, in the sense that if you're not a partner, then you're a friend, which again, that's that's another thing that would be great to do a whole podcast about is our language regarding things like friends. The elusive we. I am even a part of a Facebook group that is called the royal we bullshit needs to stop. And this is exactly what it's about, where a core couple will refer to themselves as we. We feel this. We think that. They'll speak as this entity rather than these autonomous human beings that happen to share a relationship together. Uh, Another part of this language is asking if it's okay to blank with someone else, but not in regards to logistics, but rather permission. So for example, I need to ask my partner if it's okay to kiss you. I need to ask my partner if it's okay that I go somewhere with you. It's not asking if it's okay that our schedules align or anything like that. Logistics makes sense. However, in this case, I'm alluding more to permission-based requests. A lot of these actions, too, are fear and protectionist-based actions. Fear of discomfort. Fear of growth. Again, it boils down to let's protect that core couple. If the core partnership fails, chaos ensues. Another common attribute is justification of doing hierarchy based on a history or situation. So they will say, I've been with my partner, my primary partner for 30 years. Of course, someone can't just come along and expect to be equal. Or of course, my primary partner is going to come first because we have entanglements. We have kids, we have a mortgage, we have financial things tied together, we have businesses perhaps. Finally, another attribute that can be common is that the casualties along the way are accepted. If you are somebody who has a relationship with someone who's in a hierarchical arrangement, you may or may not be told this is the way it is. It may sneak in somewhere, but when things fail or you need to be discarded or you're not abiding by their rules, you are going to be told that this was the way it 
is and you were told this and sorry about your luck and off you go and the couple is feeling great that they have preserved their wonderful relationship. So from an RA perspective on hierarchy, essentially relationship anarchy rejects the notion that any relationship, regardless of how you express it, romantic, sexually, platonic, it doesn't matter, inherently has no more importance over another. That autonomy and agency are valued over preservation of a relationship. It's recognizing that relationships will come and go and they're fluid and they, it's okay to transition relationships to whatever they're meant to be. They have their own life force. It's based on personal boundaries rather than rules dictating other people's behavior. And why put people in boxes? Why do they need to be in predetermined boxes? Why do we feel the need with entangled relationships, romantic sexual relationships, to have that hierarchy? Now, if you think about it, how weird would it be if we did it to other types of relationships that we have in our lives? For example, with our kids. If we used the similar language and similar actions towards how we approached our children, this is how silly it would sound. Things like, well, my firstborn should get everything he wants. He's been here longer. Or saying to your kids, you can only have certain friends of certain genders. Or that's great that you love your step-parent, but remember, I came first. I'm your mother. We can look at it from platonic friendships. How ridiculous would it sound if some of these lines were said? I wish I could go out with you, but my friend I know for 30 years doesn't like you, so I can't be friends with you. Or my best friend and I are looking for a third to join our friendship. Another example is even work. I really want to do this awesome project with you, but my other work colleague who I've worked with for years doesn't want me, so I can't. Or in my case, I work in IT. I can only work on laptops with you because Joe said that we do desktops together and that's our thing. Take a step back, listen to how this sounds, and question why is it that for certain types of relationships, specifically romantic, sexual, primary relationships, that people do that. How and why is hierarchy harmful? It is especially harmful to those who do not practice hierarchy themselves, however, have relationships with people that do. Some examples are people who relate to relationship anarchy and solo polyamory. It's important to state this because whenever hierarchy is put in a positive light, it's usually with those who practice it themselves and agree to this hierarchy themselves, i.e. the core couple. But we don't look at how it affects those who engage with them. So some of the ones that are blatantly toxic, one penis policy, the ramifications of that are the people who are affected by it feel that they are reduced to their genitals. It's transphobic. It diminishes relationships with non-cis men. The veto power, you feel discarded, you feel powerless, you feel coercion to agree and then cast aside. In regards to unicorn hunting, you feel objectified, your sexuality becomes a checkbox. 
You're not a person, but just a requirement. When things go wrong and you're cast aside, you're considered the crazy ex when you speak up. There is abusive behavior that can be perpetuated in these types of circumstances. And agreeing to something does not mean everyone's on board. Agreements can happen that are coerced, fear-based, concern that there is abandonment. It's harmful because it prevents personal growth. It prevents productive discomfort, disentanglement. When there are positive aspects, like I mentioned, it comes from the light of the couple. It's important to recognize the casualties along the way. With these things in mind, I cannot help to conclude that hierarchy has no real place. It only does harm. It doesn't matter if it only harms certain folks. It harms. Some tips. Instead of using the usual rhetoric of, don't judge me, my poly isn't your poly, it does work for some people, why not take the time to reflect? Why did I choose that? Why did I want to have primary, secondary? Why do I want to use this language? Why do I want to engage in actions that protect the core couple? Use that time to reflect. Consider situational prioritizing versus person-based prioritizing. For example, we talked about kids earlier. I have two children of my own. If one child says to me, look, I want you to play video games with me, and the other one says, I need you to go take me to this event, I'm going to choose the event because that requires my immediate attention. But that does not diminish that it's important to me to spend time with the other one. But I can easily talk and say, hey, I need to go take care of this right now, but I would like to spend time with you later to do that. Therefore, it's not based on the person. Just because my older child asked to play video games with me, it does not mean that I have to always choose that. It's based on situational. So why can we not do that with all our other relationships? It's also taken a moment to realize that hierarchy can have hidden roots, that we tend to maybe default to hierarchy in order to not face some of those harder roots, the fears, attachments, entanglements, codependency. If you go straight to hierarchy and use that, it may mask some of these roots. You may also find that before you open up to a version of non-monogamy, that if you consider doing disentanglement or personal centering, that hierarchy doesn't seem to be quite as important. I think that if you go into these relationship styles by dismantling some of these areas and digging deep, looking at a personal space, looking at not having everything based around the couple, that you tend to question why hierarchy is important. So here is the time in the podcast where we have some homework for y'all to try. We have three exercises. One is regarding disentanglement. 
So take a moment at your leisure to write down five things about yourself that have nothing to do with anyone else. Things that you value about yourself. Things that aren't based on a role. So I can say that one of the things I appreciate about myself is I am a good mother, but that's a role. Say something legit about yourself that is about your personal being. It has nothing to do tied in with a role or about someone else. Say five things about a close person in your life or a partner that have nothing to do with their relationship to you. It can be things that they do in the community. It could be personality traits, but it's nothing that has to do with you. Sometimes we find that when we describe what we appreciate about someone, it's what they do for us. Instead, let's try to indicate things that are about the person only. Are they kind, empathetic, giving, stubborn, whatever, but something that is them only. The next type of activity is what's the worst that can happen? Sit down with your partner and have the talk. What would happen if things didn't work out? What is the worst that could happen? And face that fear. Talk about that. What are the concerns, the feelings? That will open up discussion on the route. Sometimes just talking it out makes it less fearful. And the third activity is language shifting. Write down five other ways to refer to a quote-unquote primary partner other than my primary, my wife, my husband. For example, make it situationally based or terms of endearment to say my nesting partner, my anchor partner, my sweetie, my lovey. That was one I heard the other day and I thought that was kind of cool. Shift from the we. Be cognizant of that. Own your feelings, own your position, own your autonomy. Get back to I. Even though you're making decisions with another person, it's still I. Thank you for joining me today and be sure to check out my website at naughtyunicorn.com. Check out my podcasts up there as well as useful information, blog posts, and links to social media. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, remember all connections are important and keep connecting.